there's a column for that A1, A2, B5, B6, A, B9. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We know those are cells. Hello, welcome to our 10th episode of There's a Column for That. I'm your host, author, storyteller, and podcaster, Jamie Beth Cohen. Today I'm talking to Keisha Patterson, a Pittsburgher, an architect, and an artist, and someone who truly loves spreadsheets as much as I do. I feel in that way, Keisha is my twin. She doesn't take spreadsheets too seriously, but she can't choose her favorite one. She uses them for words and numbers. She uses them for M&Ms. You're going to love this meandering conversation and getting to know Keisha. This episode is our last for 2020, and we're changing our schedule up a bit in 2021, so our next episode will be out on January 15th, and then we'll post on the 15th and 30th of every month going forward, and February 28th. This schedule change has been necessitated by a few writing and teaching projects that are taking off for me right now, which is a good thing, and I hope you'll follow along on those too. If you want to take a storytelling class with me, head over to the calendar section of jamiebethcohen.com and sign up for one of my upcoming options. Listen, it's no secret 2020 has been a really hard year, but I have to say talking to new and old friends near and far about spreadsheets has helped get me through. I know that sounds silly, and I suppose given everything that's going on, it is, but it's also true. I am an extrovert and I miss being out around people. Even when I'm writing, I prefer to be in a bar or a cafe. I am fueled by small talk and overhearing chit chat. And obviously that's not a thing these days. Talking to people about spreadsheets and all the things people do with spreadsheets and all the things people are interested in and love has been really affirming for me. And I hope you've enjoyed the conversations as well. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at column underscore pod, and please be in touch. My chat with Keisha was recorded on September 21st, and we're releasing it on December 20th. Please remember to wear your mask. Black lives still matter. Joe Biden is the president-elect. And remember, spreadsheets save lives. Hi, Keisha. Thanks so much for coming on. There's a column for that. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you live, what kind of hobbies you have, how you identify, what line of work you're in, anything you want to share with the audience? Sure. So I am, uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh and then I moved away for a bunch of years and then I came back. Um, I'm a preservation architect, so I spend a lot of time in and around and about old buildings. My hobbies include like painting and music and um, boring my children with uh, the sort of architectural histories of our neighborhoods. Um, my, my daughter wanted to go to Paris, but she said I, would, I was gonna bore her with the architecture so I couldn't go with her. So um, I already had my flashcards <laughs> kinda all set up for that trip, but that's not gonna happen anytime soon. So <laughs> that is awesome. So that's funny because you and I were just catching up a little bit. So in middle school at Ellis, I learned about flying buttresses mm, mm -hmm. and it became like this running joke in my class. So you were a year ahead of me, but I don't know if you have any memories of <laughs> flying buttresses and all the jokes that go along with them. <laughs> I think that I might have left Ellis by the time you got to the flying buttresses, but 
by the time I learned about flying buttresses in high school, I had, um, my mom was an elementary school teacher and uh, so, like just, she just was a bookish person. So her wisdom, her childhood wisdom for me was if you have a theme for your papers, whatever papers you get to pick, pick a theme for the whole year and write a paper about the same thing for all of your classes. So my freshman year, sophomore year of high school, I picked like the Parthenon and I wrote a paper in math class and history class and English class and everything about the Parthenon. And then I think junior year, I ended up picking um, like another building. So like the, what was really weird was um, when I went away to college, like was getting ready to go to college, my parents were like, I don't know why you want to be an architect. That just seems ridiculous. And I was like, but I've written eight like, pro like papers about buildings, like eight in high school. That is such an amazing tidbit. Like I love, like I would have <laughs> never, and my husband's a teacher and my father was a teacher and I am going to tell my kids that. That's amazing. It's a really, I mean, I used it in college too. So <laughs> like if, like you can write about anything with anything being the like subject. Right. Which is sort and of I how I think about this podcast because like <laughs> we talk about spreadsheets, but we talk about so much more. Wow. Um, you know, I think in high school, in college, I, I probably took one of those other buildings and like drilled down into like flying buttresses or like yeah. a rose window or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you have all the base knowledge. Like, you know, who wrote all the books. You don't have to like, you might've even still have them out from the library. That my mind is blown. That is amazing. <laughs> my only my only fun paper subject story is that um, I, in order to get my minor in art history, mm -hmm. I had to take an upper level art history class my last semester, and nothing okay. good was offered. Like there was a lot of like 100, 200, 300 sure. level. So I ended up in a grad class in material culture. Silverware, furniture, uh -huh. I, nothing I'm interested in. I would have loved that class. <laughs> I really didn't like that class. So <laughs> I picked gravestones because that I'm interested in. And I was going to school in Northern Virginia. My family was still in Pittsburgh. We met in Harper's Ferry and I did a project on the Harper's Ferry Cemetery. My, um, my ex-husband actually engraves tombstones and it's, it's like sort of like my only joy because I feel like that is the job I would have in purgatory because I'm a really bad speller. Like yeah, I am also <laughs> a really bad speller. I don't want to make gravestones. I want to study them. Yes. Yes. You can learn. We've got an Allegheny Cemetery right here has a, yep. like a really interesting cross section and like because it's an old old um cemetery but like not segmented like i think they put graves everywhere and then they filled them in so any spot you can see gravestones spanning 150 200 years and it's really kind of fascinating to see them all together yeah although i'm mad at that cemetery because it had big tall walls so my mm -hmm. whole life i was driving around it mm. you can't see in it really unless you go in it Right. And it was, well, I grew up on the Stanton Heights side, so you could sneak in there because the fence wasn't that high. But that Stanton oh. Avenue wall, like the wall coming down mm -hmm. Stanton is just this. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like once you're up in Stanton Heights, they kind of assume that nobody's ever like leaving their house. Like, I don't know. 
Stanton Heights was such a weird neighborhood. You could, like the fence on the Stanton Heights side, and it didn't seem like it was, it seemed like it was woods from that side, but really you walk through two seconds of woods and then there's the cemetery. But right. I think the kids, my peers would set fires over there. I didn't really do that much of that. So is I'm, that the woods across from Eddie's Market? Like the, cause we used to ride dirt bikes. Eddie's Market. On Stanton, like the only business in all of Stanton Heights. Oh, like, you know what the funny thing is? I can only remember the place as like mayonnaise place because like my, my mom would be like, we have everything but mayonnaise. And like, I was like, how could, they sell mayonnaise everywhere. And she's like, you just got to go get mayonnaise. Honestly, I feel like we didn't even need mayonnaise. I think she's just like, get out of the house. Did you just go do something? <laughs> yeah, I think of it as the Charleston shoe place because they had frozen Charleston shoes in the freezer right when you walked in. And man, I don't know how my teeth survived that, but that was my favorite thing to get. The so strawberry. I don't think I knew that we grew up so close. Oh yeah, I grew up at the same street as Lizjenko on the courts. Oh, well, I was on Brintel Street. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk spreadsheets. How do you use spreadsheets in your work or your life or both? I'm going to just say like there's like three categories. So there's like work, there's life, and then like fun things to do at work that aren't work that, <laughs> <laughs> that also involve spreadsheets. I don't want to get anyone fired. So just Right. Well, okay. So the good news is I think I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be an employee. Like I'm not an empl anybody's employee right now. Okay. Okay. Um, it looks like I'm probably going to be starting my own uh, firm pretty soon. So, Ooh, um, so exciting. So I don't think, and you know, this was a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> so the life of an intern, an intern architect is sometimes there's a lot of work and sometimes there's not that much. There are all kinds of data sets in architecture. There's also all this sort of fun math things, right? So if nothing else, um, the top of my Excel's like list of spreadsheets that I would bring with me to any job is like just a calculator that'll go from feet to inches, right? <laughs> or like go from feet to inches to decimal, to uh -huh. decimal feet. Yeah. Um, so it's just a very simple formula and it just makes you not have to do all of that stupid math in your head. Yeah. Um, brick dimensions is another one. The bricks themselves are one dimension and then there's a mortar joint between any odd number of them. Um, but you would like your window to fit in between from the corner to a full brick from the corners. Um, if you are older than our generation, you can do that math in your head. If you're younger than that, our generation, like my generation, um, you don't care and you just put it anywhere willy nilly and you just expect the computer to fix it. Um, <laughs> so like my, like my, my, one of my bosses, my last place I worked, he could do brick dimensions for anything in his head. And I was always like checking up on my Excel spreadsheet. Um, because if you've got like the outside, if you've got an outside to outside brick dimension, um, they're eight inches a piece, but they might have a three quarter inch joint or half inch joint. And so it's, it's just very handy to have. Well, um, there are also those weird walls where it's, are the bricks maybe turned or are they shorter ah, bricks? Those are just old walls. They're not oh. weird. They're old. Um, <laughs> when you see the, when you see the course of bricks that's going in, that is tying two wives of bricks together. And now instead of doing that with a brick, um, usually you don't have walls that are two wives thick anymore. You have a wood frame an airspace and a brick. And so you don't need to tie it back. And it's tied back to the frame with a piece, a little piece of metal. So that's how you can tell how old a building is. If you see the little things, and those are every eight rows up. 
will you take me to Paris with you? Yeah, yeah right. Like we can, I mean, like, honestly, we, we could just go around. Lauren Lawrenceville's got some great, um, they've got a lot of wonderful masonry. Tell but, your daughter she is missing out. You know, the funny thing is, um, as much as she like rails against it, I really feel like she's pro, I mean, you know, who knows? She's like, mom, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to be a graphic designer. And I'm like, fine, <laughs> that'll be great until you become an architect later fine you want to be in graphic design it's fine but she's like why do you make what makes you think i'm gonna be an architect and i was like i don't know because we were going to east liberty and you're like i really like the efficient use of parking under the target i like i feel like that was really good land use like okay so she could be a city planner she could be a city planner it's fine. You know, I mean, my children are the only children in the world who are like playing with their blocks and my, you know, my son's like, you can't put that in R1. It's industrial. <laughs> Just there's neighborhoods over here. <laughs> it's like, what can I do to you? God, so brick dimensions. <laughs> so brick dimensions are definitely it. And then, I mean, then there's all this kind of data, right? So like, aside from moving a lot in my adult life, I've planned a lot of weddings. I've never had any, but I've planned a bunch. Wait, but you weren't married. I did. I was married. I eloped. Okay. Okay. What I did, and actually the person who suggested this to me, her name was Sue Steranchek, and she actually went to Peabody with me too. She got married, and when she got married, she she was like, I needed to know very specifically how many people were going to come before, like, well in advance of the RSVPs turning up. So what she did was do a weighted probability on the guest list <laughs> because part of like her husband's her you know fiance's family was from canada there was a number of people that they were obligated to send invitations to but those people were not coming from ottawa to dc for this wedding so she's like i put them down as a like 20 percent chance and then there were people who were going to come from anywhere that were going to come to the wedding so um so I feel like, like, the thing that, that was really sad, like, the fact that we ended up eloping, um, I felt really bad because I really wanted to know if the weighted probability would pan out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, I guess in my personal life, so my dad's a mathematician, which, it has its ups and downs having a father who's a mathematician. So, like, I was pretty good at, like, I was never good at, like, arithmetic. I could never, like, because that's just the spelling, just the numbers in the wrong spot. But once we got to algebra and geometry, like I was like, this is my, this is my space. You know, my dad was like, there's just comfort in numbers. Like it is just, my dad was somebody who had um, a computer uh, at home. He'd never had a a home computer. He didn't have a home computer for very many years because he just worked with computers so much at home, but he did have a terminal at home. So it was a thing that looked like a keyboard and a printer that you took up the phone and the bake light end of the phone, you put it on the terminal and then this would, this would send numbers all the way out to Arizona and then they would, it's pretty cool. So in high school, I did, I ended up getting a computer that was like, it had belonged to my grandfather and when my grandfather passed away, so I got this computer and it really just did word processing things. But I really like sort of like the idea of having all of this sort of data available, right? So how many words were in my paper, um, how many, you know, all those things. What my dad did teach me to do when I was 11 was to do a, um, a decision matrix, right? So if you need to figure out, and the first time I did successfully a decision matrix was um, picking, picking somebody to go on vacation with us when I was 11. 
So I had a number of cousins and friends as an only child, my parents were like, we're gonna spend a whole week at the beach, pick somebody. And so my dad was like, okay, so what are the qualities of a good travel companion? And then can you rate each person, you know, uh, according to those quotes? Do they, do they like to do the same things as you? Do, are we gonna have good car time? Um, have you done sleepovers with them? Do you get along for long periods? Uh, are they good swimmers? Do you think their parents will say yes? All of these things. And then so I ranked everybody that was on the list and just came up with a score. That is intense. My father was a mathematician. Yes, I know. I know. I have to say that. And it's funny because my, so I have a group of friends from college, one of whom is a mathematician. We're all still friends. And then my husband's college roommate is a mathematician. And so we just have these mathematicians in our life who we love so much so that I, humanities girl here, crashed a math conference one year. I crashed a math conference. I mean, my big rebellion was that I didn't go into math. I was on the math team in high school because um, competitive math does a lot for one's dating prospects. I think <laughs> really super stoked about that. I mean, if you're a girl. So I was like the only woman on the team. I was the only freshman. Yeah. And, you know, my dad was like, good, you got the math gene. And so I guess, I mean, that was part of the sheer surprise when I was like, I didn't be there. So tell so, me about, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, so the decision matrix came in, it's come in handy. Like it really is a tool that um, I use for finding apartments. I've used to select sofas, which as an architect, I will tell you should match your cat. Doesn't need to match the room. Just make it match your cat. It's <laughs> the most important thing. Uh, so those are things that I've like, like used spreadsheets for. Um, I don't think I've ever used, I mean, I, I've used the decision matrix for like personal decisions and budgets and, and things like that, but um, definitely for like big purchases, real estate decisions. Um, I really, I mean, a, a, good, a good spreadsheet is very calming to me. Do you use like a one, two, three rating? Do you use a one to 10? Like in your decision matrix, what are your? Um, I am just like, I realize the scale doesn't matter. <clears throat> So I like, I mean, it's just because I spend a lot of time in the feet and inches world, I probably will use a scale of like one to 12 or something. Or like, just because it's a, you know, it makes sense. Actually, it's really bizarre. Like, um, my daughter, I guess in elementary school, she, or like elementary school, in like third grade, she had the like measure things around your house mm -hmm. um, homework. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so she had her little like, like, first of all, she had to find a, a ruler that was actually a ruler and not a scale. Right. Because those are different things. Right. So she finds a ruler that's actually a ruler and she's like, okay, this has got inches and then she start, start measuring things. And I was, and she's like, how long is a pencil? I was like, seven and a half inches. And she's like, how, how is the chair from the thing? It was 18 inches. And she's like, how wide is the table? And she's like, why do you know all the things? It's not fun. If you know the thing all the time. <laughs> and I was like, fine, I won't tell you. That's awesome. That's <laughs> I was awesome. like, I'm not good at other things. Just this tell her, <laughs> tell her you're taking me to Paris with you. She's staying home. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> like, you don't have to come. It's fine. <laughs> so what about the limits to spreadsheets? What kind of problems do they not help you with? Or So, um, when I, so, back to, we'll go back to my mom, right? So, I told you that the life of an intern is sometimes it's like really dull and sometimes it's really busy. So 
so my first job, I worked in this office where I was the only person who used a computer because to become an architect, it takes a long time. It just, there's like huge, like, I just really was like, architects never retire and they're just all really old. And like, I was the only person in Buffalo that I interacted with that didn't have a, like a clear participatory memory of the second world war. What do I do when I'm in the, I was like, mom, I'm in this office and I like need to look busy, but I don't, you know, I don't have a lot to do right this minute. She's like, you can do one of two things. She's like, there are always trade magazines, find an article you're interested in, write a hundred words on an index card, keep it in your desk because you never know when you like need to go back to it. It'll make you knowledgeable. You'll learn stuff or practice with the software, right? Like you got to learn to use spreadsheets, do some fun things with spreadsheets, learn to do use the word processing thing, use that fancy computer drawing thing you were showing me. I was like, okay. I had this ongoing statistical analysis of M&M colors. <laughs> was there a vending machine at work? <laughs> yeah, there was, there was, there was. There was a vending machine. And so I had two spreadsheets and I would just, you know, as I was eating the M&Ms, I would just tick off the colors and um, a serving of peanut M&Ms is 35 or 37 M&Ms. That's it. <laughs> I think I was just, I was like, what? And uh, they're mostly brown. Well, aren't Most, there two shades of brown? There used to be. Used they to took be. out the light brown. And put in red. And in the blue. Oh, the blue. But then they added red back in at some point, too. They added red back in as an additional one. But when they made the blue really blue, they took out light brown. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, this... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? So I was like always trying to make graphics out of these ongoing, ongoing spreadsheets. Um, so to become an architect, you've got to work for an architect. Um, you've got to log all of your hours and then um, sit for a bunch of exams. And the hours have to be specific in specific categories. Um, and my first boss was like, that's a ridic ridiculous method. I'm, you're, we're going to, whatever, don't, you don't have to log this. But the rules changed, like in between the time I started working for him and then want to get a license. So I had to go back and log the hours of, of three years of previous timesheets. And I realized a couple of things, um, one of which was that I was working too many hours. <laughs> um, and, um, and that I never got any on-site construction administration student. But so that's, I mean, those are the things. I mean, I still, it's sort of, it, I think I always try not to use a spreadsheet until I get to the like third term. And then I'm like, no, I, I'm going to need a spreadsheet. Give me I a can't tell you how many times I've been like, I'll just do this in Word. It'll be fine. And then I'm like, oh. No. no really, if you've got, once you've got to like three things across and three things down, you need a spreadsheet. Yep. You need a I agree. I agree. So I don't actually think I heard a limit there. Like, it, like that was supposed it's to be not the thing. As gra like, it's not as graphically pleasing right. as other things. And I like, I right. feel like I've always wanted to, to make the charts and graphs that it produced prettier mm -hmm. or more mm -hmm. specific because and, like, I felt like it was always like a very blunt instrument. And then, yes. you know, like I would find myself doing things like, starting with this data, coming up with a graph or chart, or like a pie chart or a bar chart or whatever, and then taking it to Photoshop or, yeah. or InDesign and like making it, 
making it really nice and graphic, especially considering like when I worked for, you know, in the, in the nineties and two thousand, I worked for this guy who was like, this is great. We might print out one that one that's color, but our client is going to photocopy it on a bad photocopier. So can you make it better? And actually sometimes back in the day, back in a long time ago in the world of graphics, there was this stuff that was like a rub on tone. So it was, it was this, it was a vinyl product and you would take the back of a pen and rub it onto the piece of paper. So it would either give you a dot matrix or hashtags or anything like that. So my dad used to do that with lettering. Yes. It's the same stuff. Yeah. So I would take this bar chart from Excel and then like change the graphics because my boss just liked the way those, I was like, it's the same, it's the same. I mean, this is also the man that would have me print out emails and then put a timestamp on, like put a date stamp on that. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> it was like this weird, uh -huh. I, you know, whatever. I shared the internet with the fax machine, you know, so like, yes. yes. It was a while ago. Yeah, my dad never owned a personal computer, never used one at work, and refused to buy us video games after Pong because they would be obsolete in a year. And he's like, we're not going to just keep buying video game systems. So he was like the analog of all analogs. <laughs> and those rub on letters, he was really good at them because they're not always easy to line up. No, and... yeah, you got to line them up. And mm -hmm. they're kind yeah. of fun. Th like, I kind of wish I still, I used to, I mean, I'm sure I used to have a folder of them because I use those yep. in school. I used to have yep. a folder of them somewhere. And I, you know, one of these moves, they, they've disappeared. I, I think my kids would really have fun with them. Yeah. And like all you would have left is like a sheet of these. Like you're right. like, oh yeah, I guess I'll keep these. Jays. And, there's yeah. no J's. Like there's no J's in the whole English language. <laughs> right. Hi, Jamie Beth Cohen right here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, um, I spent a lot of time at church, but I do remember I, uh, and I guess I realized, this is when I realized that I liked math. Um, I was in church and I was bored and I started calculating the frequency of ease in biblical passages. <laughs> uh, I never used a spreadsheet for that. I just had like a little notebook in church. So like, I was really super intent. I was yeah. studying the word. Yep. Um, <laughs> almost no J's, like almost no J's at all. Okay. So I got so enamored with your decision matrix for who you took on vacation, which I would love to know the answer if you remember. It, it turned out to be my little cousin, Janine. And, and we had work out? like a blast. She was super fun. And like, I, she, to this day, like she's one of the most fun people to go on vacation with because she's easygoing. She's easy to travel with. She will try weird food first. And she was like, we were at the, we were at the crabbed leg, but you know, the, the seafood buffet. And she's like, that looks like a bug. It really, we're eating the bug looking thing. All right, let's, let's just, okay. We're just eating the bug. It looks like a bug. We're going to eat it. Oh my. And it was, you know, it was crab legs or something. Right. 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 Like, Keisha, it was, you got to try the bug looking thing. Look at it. Just awesome. She, she's so still I, one of my favorite people to, to travel with because she's just so I, easy going. <laughs> I but I got so enamored with that. And then the M&Ms. Yes. I didn't ask you, and, and maybe we don't need to talk about it, maybe you already have, sort of what's your favorite project that you've tackled with a spreadsheet? Right now I'm just doing like financial planning for this business I'm trying to start. Um, what's the favorite, favorite project I've, 
like I've I've loved them so much, all of them. It's hard um, to choose, isn't it? It's really hard to choose. <laughs> uh, like I. I feel like I start so many things with spreadsheets, like so many things start in spreadsheets. I, in, in part, like, okay, two things I've been working on. Um, uh, job applications, right? So keeping track of these job applications. Um, and then I, a little bit of a shift in gears and saying, well, you know, fine, I've got to do the financial plan. I'm gonna start my own business because I have not got a job. So those are two things that have been going on with the spreadsheets right now. Um, and, and like, you know, of that, I've done like sort of batch mail outs to these prospective job things. And, um, and so those things are like, those work seem to work really well. I, but I don't know, like, I think one of the favorite projects, so in this process, I started doing, I've been doing a portfolio, right? Um, of my work. And so I have like in existence, a list of all the projects I ever remember working on. And it was like, really, um, you know, like, do I put this on the fridge? Does this make me feel small? Does this make <laughs> me feel big? Can I format it? So it feels like I've done more work than I have. Um, <laughs> like what font really makes me feel like this is super productive. And of course, I mean, like I had the project and how much it costs and where it was located and who I worked for and um, what part of the project I worked on. And so it has all of these details going out. Um, and then uh, some of them weren't strictly architecture projects and, um, this format of information, I really kind of want to get into my portfolio and put on my website, and I haven't, mostly because it feels like it's so exhaustive <laughs> that either it's going to make me feel great or make me feel awful. So it's like a, it's a spreadsheet diary of, of my work. And then I've also been working on like a memoir, including all of the places I've lived. And so I have this spreadsheet of every address I've ever had. Um, and so like those two sort of um, using it as a like a narrative device is it's a limited but i think that it could be really powerful um and you know you talk about like how many fields you have <laughs> in a really like specific way like a really like you could compare right like right. really direct one one compare but who else like nobody else is sharing their like portfolio of all the projects they worked on <laughs> So we talk a lot on this podcast about the difference between word people and number people in spreadsheets. And I mm. feel like you are both. So I feel like there are people who are only ever doing budgets or calculations and don't know what a mail merge is or how to get that data out or how to format and make a chart. And then there are people like my friend Michelle who literally taught me how to plot my novel in an Excel spreadsheet. I know, right? Amazing. <laughs> but you would never use a pivot table for that because you wouldn't use pivot tables for words. You right. For counting and for numbers. Right. So, but I feel like you are, are someone who's, who really has your finger in both sides of those. This those is... Plots. This is how, I mean, um, you know, I, I'm going to say this with like the hubris of architects because there just is. Um, it's, it, it really, I try to say that I'm on the better end of this, but it is a profession and a way of thinking that draws narcissists like no other profession. Ooh, say more. I'm obsessed with narcissists. <laughs> um, I'm going to put something here that was better than what was there before, even uh... if God put it there. 
that is, if that is not, I mean, and we only study architects that designed stone stuff because that's the stuff that's left, but it does evoke this sort of like permanence and beyond themselves. And even when it's like ecclesiastic or, you know, you've got this big grand cathedral, there's a little bit of just like, look what I did with that. <laughs> um, I'd like to think that that's not where I come from architecture, but it is something that is analytical and like can be understood in a really like analytical way, right? And you can calculate stuff all day long, it's great. But it also has a lot to do with history and the humanities and narrative and like, I mean, one of the things I positively love about architecture is, is programming. A facilities program has so many spreadsheets. How many students, how many desks, how many bookshelves, how many square feet. But each one of these is also accompanied by a functional narrative. Right. So it is, um, you know, there's like this, this is a paper I did for college that's almost all spreadsheets, but then also lovely narrative about like, like, oh, there's like a spatial relationship board in here, like what needs to be adjacent. I have no idea how I made that graphic in 1997. One of the things I, um, I love about architecture is that you get to be in the nosy part, like you get to be nosy about people's lives and you're like, I get to learn how like, how you teach a ceramics class because I'm working on a ceramics studio, right? So I may never take a ceramics class, but I'm like, so then you take all of the clay out and then what happens then? <laughs> and, then and then I'm like, so then, so then why do you have to like leave it in there for like a day? Right. Oh, like I just love, and then people get to talk about all of their like, all of their functional processes. And then I have to codify those functional processes into something that's gonna say, well, you've got 12 students and each one needs 14 square feet and each one of them needs eight linear feet of storage space. Um, and then I have to get all of that data into a spreadsheet. And actually um, the CAD software we use now, the BIM software, it will export things to spreadsheets um, if you program it right to like give you a certain amount of, so this piece of furniture is not just a three dimensional object, but it is also represents 24 linear feet or 100 linear feet of um, shelf space, which I need for each number of people, like the desks and all these things. And so then all of this stuff comes out as spreadsheets as well. That literally, like that comes, it starts as the provost who's like, but just like, there's a lot of paper. And you're like, why, why is there a lot, lot of paper? <laughs> <laughs> you're like it's just like that room and then like that other room and then and it's private paper too like, what do you mean by private paper <laughs> those rooms have to lock no one else can be in there no other paper can be in there it needs to be a locked paper. room of paper yeah right but that all started and ended like and at the end of the day when I'm done with the design I have to say hey ding 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 we ended up with 200 linear feet of um a file space crammed into this secret hiding room scary secret one all right we're gonna jump into our rapid fire okay we're gonna come up with stuff rapidly excel google sheets something else and sub question mac pc or tablet or phone uh never phone never tablet sometimes mac um often pc uh 
Google Sheets when I have to share, but usually Excel. I support all of those. <laughs> Favorite command or function in Excel? Conditional formatting. Mm -hmm. Conditional mm -hmm. formatting is mm -hmm. my absolute favorite. Very nice. I love to see the gradient between good and bad values. Yep. Yep. Okay. And then, so this, this leads right into, how do you feel about color coding cells or typeface? In a uh, like color coding, um, you know, I was, I was raised against it because the client might photocopy it poorly. Um, that's, less of a, that's less of a concern now, um, but I definitely do color code but I like to do it conditionally. I don't want it to be something I have to hand code. Yeah. Hand, hand code, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We, uh, we sort of bring with us the things we learned when we came to the program. So I'm sure things that you might have color coded because you're worried about the client photocopying, you found another way to express them. And now right. why would you go back to color coding? Because you have this thing that you learned. <laughs> right. Like, I, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's one thing about spreadsheets that you think other people might not know? Aside from placing, you know, making sure that you don't ever have to enter the same information twice. Do never enter the same information twice. If you can source or link it to one entry for the love of everything holy, please do not make me enter the same information twice because I'm a forget. Everybody, somebody's going to forget. Right. Um, that's, that's like my hard and fast rule. I don't care if you've got to like go from this sheet and then bring it to this sheet and bring it to that sheet and then, mm -hmm. then make it decimals and then make it inches again, but like do not make me enter it again. <laughs> so and I have a similar problem. So I do work in an office and I'm responsible for a lot of data that other people need. And um, I get really upset when people save documents multiple places. Mm, you need mm -hmm. to be using shortcuts so you're always coming back to the document I created for you because mm -hmm. the minute you save it somewhere on your drive and I'm making updates or changes I don't know what document version control open. version yep. control yep <laughs> all right and then our last rapid fire do you know how and why to make a pivot table um I think I know why and I always want to make a pivot table, but I've not ever successfully made a pivot table. I don't think, I mean, if I did, it was by accident. And, <laughs> and like, I was like, I just, when you want the terms to go across the top and the, then across the side. So that's like this initial design, like, this is like one of those foundational elements of your design of your, your data. Like what is the X axis and what is the Y axis? Okay. And um, I'm sure that I like attempted to make some pivot tables with the M&M color things because, you know, is frequency more important? Is color more important? You know, do you have, how do you relate the different, the M&Ms and the planes, you know? Um, but I don't know if I've ever really successfully, I, I YouTube it all the time. I just, I really, I want to know. I was going to say, you can go to our archives. We have a pivot table master as in our first episode who has provided us with links. But yes, she was my pivot table person. Every year I had to make one pivot table and I would just go to her and say, can you just make it for me again? I don't want to teach myself because you know how to do it. And I don't, what, I mean, that, I never learned how to make them because she did it for me. I don't know if I know how to make a pivot table. Yeah. I feel like that's a huge hole in my knowledge. I, I, I encourage, there are definitely, she would say, that's what separates the true masters. Is the, the pivot, pivot table. table. Yeah, so just 
keep that in mind and check out our archives. Everyone I should. <laughs> I will. I will have to do that. All right. So now on to final thoughts. Uh, okay. Any media that you are consuming right now that you want to shout out, be it TV, movies, books, podcasts, <sighs> albums, anything that you're excited about? I have been on, like in terms of, of media I've been absorbing, it has been the, it has been the mac and cheese. It has been the comfort media. Um, I know that like the smart me should be learning some stuff but that's not, I've been watching, I've been watching a lot of Call the Midwife and I've seen it all. Like I've seen the whole series a couple times, but in terms of background noise, it is encouraging, right? She's like, you can push it, you can do it. You're gonna have a baby in a minute, just keep pushing. And so like, in terms of just like chatter to have in the background of like, whatever 2020 is, it is encouraging chat background noise. And I should note right now that we are recording this on September 21st. We have no idea what's to come in the next few months. You know what? All I'm going to say is, and this is good advice. It was good advice six months ago. It's good advice today. It'll be good advice in three months. Get locust insurance. I don't care if you have any field or not. I just, you know, you, we could do a spreadsheet. We can lay it out. That's the one that hasn't hit yet. I'm just saying. Locust insurance. All right. And I know you have a couple things going on in your life, small business wise. Um, now is your time to shout out your social media handles, anything you can offer people. I've seen it. It's beautiful. <laughs> in terms of my activism in the world, and I'm going to just like headline that first, I've been working with a couple of organizations that are hoping to bring um, treatments and vaccines for um, uh, COVID-19 uh, free, uh, free at point of use and fairly priced and widely available. And they can be found at the open, open COVID pledge um, or free, hashtag free the vaccine. Um, and then I have like art and those kind of things on my Instagram. It's Keisha7Lynn. And I'm in the process of starting a, an architecture firm, um, hopefully to focus on some design justice things and um, focus on some old buildings. I think the two go hand in hand uh, along with sort of sustainability. Um, I don't think those three things can be sort of taken apart from each other. I just don't have a name for my firm yet. So um, we'll see what happens by November, maybe I will. <laughs> but you also, you do um, like building drawings, right? Yes, yes, I, I do. I, I saw a couple of those. I really love yeah. those. So those have been like as this project, you know, I, as I said, I move a lot and I'm an architect and it's sort of interesting to be a homeless architect. Um, my nephews think that's hilarious. They're like, can't you just, can't you go out in the woods and get some sticks together or something? Like, oh. That's like the shoemakers children never have shoes. <laughs> I was like, there's a story about the cobbler's children. Yeah. And my kids are like, it's fine. We didn't even throw the boxes away this time. It's fine. <laughs> so um, I do, I have an Etsy page and I think that's under like new Keisha art or something like that. And we'll get I, it all in the show notes. Yeah. There's two, I need it should be one name. I just need a new name. Like, I don't know. Like, we'll see. And the last question is the question you get to ask me about anything spreadsheet or non-spreadsheet related. I, you know, I've been like mulling. This has been in the back of my head, mulling. Um, so I know that, <laughs> so I've been out of town. I've been out of Pittsburgh for the last 20 plus years. And then I kind of moved back three years ago. 
And so here's my question for you. Do you remember me from childhood? Because I don't know if I remember you and I feel awful about it. And it's so okay. now I'm just like, was I just glasses and like skinniness? Like I just, because well, you I literally around the corner from me. You look, you look very similar to how you looked then. And we were definitely on a van that took us to Ellis together. And we may have even been at the bus stop together at the corner of Stanton and Ornmore. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now it's all came together. There it is. I had big puffy hair. Big, big puffy hair. I did too. I mean, it was, it was the late 70s, early 80s. Sure, yeah. Was- yeah. Everybody's hair was really kind of supersized. Yeah. I remember you from the van. I don't really remember you from school, but I mean, we were in different grades and that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember being at the bus stop and I remember the crossing guard. We had a very personable crossing guard whose sons like played in the neighborhood with my brother. But yeah, Yeah. I was on Stanford West. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was right up the hill. Yep. I remember. And Liz Jenko was on Stanton Court East. So yeah. I'm just... Yeah, right there. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. And now I live closer to that spot than I, and I'm about to move to a place that is like, almost like, I mean, as the crow flies, probably like less than a mile away from where I grew up, right. and I'm finding it to be like a little freaky outy, but. Yeah, I would love to move back to Pittsburgh. I really, really would. It's not, we've thought about it a couple times. It's not in the cards right now, but I hope it is in the future cards. Are you in Lancaster? You? Lancaster, Pennsylvania. My Pennsylvania geography is lousy. It's in the middle, right? I'm 90 minutes from Philly. So it's technically- I have a funny story about that. It's technically (laughs) central Pennsylvania, but it is much further east than it is west. I had a job interview uh, for a place in Philly a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And that- um... (laughs) Well, I was wondering, you had put something on Facebook about Kay Patterson versus Keisha Patterson. Oh, right. So- And I was wondering um, if you were tracking that in an Excel spreadsheet. Um- no, but I think the next thing I'm going to track is whether or not I can tell somebody's political f- affiliations from their first Bumble um, picture. Like, that's my next thing to sort of self. Because I think I'm pretty good at it, but I think I need more data, right? So I just need to figure out how to come up with, like, a clicker so that I can swipe. And I am always somebody who's looking for, like, really random connect. Well, not random connections, but I'm somebody who likes to integrate things. It's- That is how, so my brain works in spreadsheets and my brain works in if this, then that, or when this happened, it's like when this happened, even if it doesn't look like that at all to you, I'm going to explain to you how it is. How these things are connecting. Yes. And this isn't like, if I really wish I was a better writer, because I really feel like I need to blog about these things. I have been somebody who has left, I've left my first name off of my work since I put my name, uh, since I had my very first a posted wall critique. Um, and it wasn't even, you know, I had, I had the fortune, I had the really good fortune of, of starting my architecture career at Florida A&M, um, which has produced an outsized number of African-American uh, women architects of which licensed in this country, there are less than 500. Um, one in five of them came from Florida A&M. So I know them all, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like just statistically speaking, like for the longest time, I was like, "Why do I seem to know all the black women who are?" They all went to school, um, and that, I mean, in my generation, like really, the first graduate person graduated the year I graduated from under. So it's like I know all this, and there is a really re- weird reason why I am the only architect in the country named Keisha. It is a very specific sociological reason. 
to make a Keisha baby, you have to have that baby. Keisha babies were only made between 1974 and 1976. There is a like a very big peak of Keisha babies between. This is why to make a Keisha baby, the Afros have to meet in the middle while you're making the Keisha baby. There has to be some Afro love. It otherwise doesn't work. I literally <laughs> just, I telemarketer whose name is Keisha. I was like, is there a picture of your parents where their Afros meet in the middle? She's like, why were you in my house? Because that's how the only way you can make Keisha. It was such a huge peak. Now there are now, there's a younger millennial generation of Keishas. There are some La Keishas that was really popular from 84 to 86. There are some Takishas that was popular at another time. But the bubble up, the wellspring of Keishas, they were born between 1974 and 1976. The average age of initial licensure for any architect is 32 years old. If you add Keisha plus licensure, you land in the middle of the housing crisis. So if there were any other women named Keisha who were about to get their license, which made them expensive to be an intern, but useless as an architect, they got laid off because architecture firms fired almost half of their staff between 2007 and 2008. Wow. <laughs> wow. I did not know that I had been somewhat summarily kicked out of the field because I was having babies. And really what happened is I had my son in 2006 and I was gonna go back in 2008 and I was going to go back to the firm I worked for. They were like, yeah, when, you know, when you get off this cloud, come back, whatever. And when I went to go back, they were like, not a lot of work right now. Just not a lot of work, you know. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to get knocked up again right now while there's not work to do now. And then really by the time between the time I got pregnant in August and had my daughter in May, the housing, like there was just people were just getting laid off left and right. I did not get my license when I was 32. I, it took me another 10 years for a whole bunch of other reasons. And then I decide, okay, well, I take all my exams and you do the thing when you're looking up the exams online. First of all, it, the exam scores were published at four o'clock in the morning. And even though I said every time I was stay asleep and look in the morning, <laughs> you wake up at four in the morning and you're refreshing, 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 right? And then the state of New York needed to give me a number. And of course, I'm refreshing that search for my name a bunch of times. Now, there is a page and a half of Pattersons who are architects in the state of New York. So I was like, well, I have to do two clicks to do that. So I said, well, let me search by my first name. And I was like, how is there no other Keisha's no other architects. Name. Like I had a bit, like an image. She was like, she was doing brown stones in Brooklyn. She had like, like freckles and like maybe braids or something. Like maybe a little fro, like a natural. And, but I was like, you know what? She must've moved to Atlanta. So I looked in the boards for Georgia. And then I, I was like, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? She's in Chicago. So I looked in Chicago. Uh, I got down to Iowa and decided that was probably that she was not in Iowa. And, um, and I don't know if there, if there will ever, if there will be another Keisha because, because of what happened. And actually in the field in general, people my age are thinned out because if you are right at that cusp, like if you had been doing architecture for 20 years before then, you were architect already, you might've stuck it through. If you were in school and did, hadn't gotten into the, you know, hadn't gone through all that yet, you might have come back. But just being in your mid-30s, getting kicked out of the, you know, just getting laid off. So I'm the only architect named Keisha. And I don't put my name on my resume. 
and I have not for a long time because my name um, gives you my entire demographic, right? <laughs> um, and if you type Keisha Architect, um, as you might if you were looking at me on Bumble, you might get a picture of my kids, which is scary, right? Like, it because I stick out statistically. And so I was having this, you know, conversation with my cousin this morning. She's an early riser, so I'm still kind of in bed. And she's like, yeah, I was talking to somebody about just like the politics of everything right now. I'm just really trying to understand. And somebody was trying to explain to me how they didn't believe that there was racism in this country. And I, you know, relayed this story about how you don't have your name on your resume. And, you know, I was like, you know, it's been a, it's been a, an adjustment I have made for people for a long time. And I did have to literally argue with somebody that it was my name, right? Like they had my resume and I was like, yeah, no, this is the person. And they were like, are you sure? Because it's an architect. And I was like, actually me. So, you know, that was like awkward. But so I had this conversation with my cousin this morning and I was like, you know, it really, I, I find this frustrating. And I also feel like, you know, I'm not somebody who, I've, I've definitely always been very sort of open and had lots of people who are, you know, LGBT and, but not necessarily that hasn't been my fight. But I have, you know, over the years, and especially as it's become more in the forefront, been very specific of using the right pronouns and calling people what they want to be called. And, and, you know, just this morning, I was like, you know, it really just pisses me off. That I can't just be called what I want to be called. Like, that's, it's just not fair and it's frustrating. I've been struggling with naming my firm and uh, while I, you know, I'm a nobody still, right? So, but I, at this end, you know, I do think of, um, I don't want to conscript my children into architecture, but I, that's one, one of the reasons I might not use my name. I mean, I think it is, I think you're right. I think people whose fight it hasn't been can learn and can want to learn. And that's very different than saying, I can't even put my name on my resume. And what has that done to my identity for the past 40 years? I feel like it has been, I feel like it has been really huge. And I think it's, it's, you know, part of me is like pissed that it's welling up right now. Like I've got, I've got this like whole, I've got, I've got enough to deal with. Yeah. And then at the same time, like, I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm pissed about that too. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. I have a thing with my name. People are always, cause you know, I put my full name on my resume. Um, mostly, at least in the beginning, was for a gender identifier. Like mm -hmm. I, like Jamie Beth is a girl. Jamie, maybe could be either one, right? And um, so then I show up at a job, like I get hired, and they're like, "So do we call you Jamie or do we call you Jamie Beth?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, it's actually a really complicated story, and I hate that the first thing anyone knows about me is that it's a complicated story, but." When I was getting married, I was taking my husband's name, and the thought of being Jamie Beth Cohen Schindler seemed like a lot. So I dropped the Cohen and kept the Beth, which means I am Jamie Beth Schindler, but I am not Jamie Schindler. I don't know who that person is. Ooh. If you put Jamie Schindler into Facebook, you get 16-year-old blonde farm boys from Wisconsin. It's like, it's this very German, yeah. like, yeah. and so when I then published my first novel, I was like, you know what? I'm Jamie Beth Cohen. That's, that second grader, she started writing, this is her book. 
And so now I'm sort of back to being Jamie Beth Cohen Schindler because my kids, like, you know, their parents, like the whole maiden name, married name, kid name. So yeah, the first thing most people are learn kids, about- Are your kids all Schindlers? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And the first thing anyone learns about me at a new job is I have a weird thing about my name. Sorry. <laughs> well, I, uh, so, you know, I, as I said, my dad is in computers and I'm probably the only person of our generation whose parents taught them about HTML, right? Because my right. dad was in that space really early. Right. And, uh, and, you know, my dad was like, hey, go ask somebody about HTML. And I literally asked somebody about HTML and they were like, you're hired. I was like, for what? And they were like, you know what HTML is. You're one of two people on campus. You have a job. Which means that I showed up really early in the search engines because the very first person I knew who had a homepage was my dad. And I was on the homepage. And this was before we were worried about privacy or anything, right? Like, right. Yep. I had a little graduation picture of me. And I was like, dad, come on. It's just like weird, you know? Like, so my boss, one of my bosses used to talk about, you know, digital natives and digital adopters right like or whatever yeah and you and I we sit on this really interesting line because I was a senior in high school when Ellis participated in the Pittsburgh supercomputing project so I was doing email before anyone else I knew was doing email and so we weren't thinking about privacy at all and so people are like oh you're an oversharer and I'm like I just the the horse was already out of the cart. Is that the saying? Like, it was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. horse was out of the barn. barn. The horse was out You're of the not barn. from Wisconsin. Nobody. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the horse was out of the barn. I had already shared everything there was to share before anyone said, "Hey, wait a minute, you might not want to share that." And like, I'm an extrovert. I am an oversharer. I'm not saying I'm not, but I'm saying that I sit on that line of. So what's really weird about it is, so you know, if you were to search Keisha Patterson. Um, for a long time, I was the first 10 things because then my very first job was doing an internet, being, doing the internet for my college, right? So it was my dad, my college thing. Right. And then, and then the internet started to bubble up and I was using my name. And then I didn't get, I didn't, I wasn't licensed by the time I was married. Mm -hmm. And so I told my ex-husband, I was like, listen, if, um, when I was, you know, affianced and in love, I was like, listen. I cannot change my name to Mrs. Tansky. If my name is Mrs. Tansky, I will never go to the dentist again because the, the tech is going to go, you know what? Mrs. <laughs> Tansky was too afraid for that. And she's not in the waiting room. There's no Mrs. Tansky in the waiting room. I was like, I will never, I will have bad teeth because mm-hmm. they just won't think it's me. Yep. Yep. And you know, my, you know, it's funny because, you know, obviously I'm not married to him now, but at the time he was like, yeah, that could be a thing. Yeah. So well, I was like, listen, I was like, if you change your last, I'll change my last name if you change yours. Right. And assumed right. that that was going to just stay where it was. And he's, we are on the way to City Hall. Beautiful building. It's one of my favorite buildings in Buffalo. We're on the way to City Hall. And he's like, I'm going to change my last name. So we could be Tansky hyphen Patterson. And I was like, oh, but the funny thing is you can't put TP on the bathroom towels. That's a poor choice. Can't, we're just, I can't. <laughs> so he's like, so we're Patterson Tansky. I was like, so we are Patterson Tansky. Now, it has been a huge, huge benefit because I have children who are of mixed race. When they are with me, they look like black kids. When they are with my husband, they all look Hispanic. I don't know what that's about, but whatever. People just talk Spanish to them. When my in-laws go to pick them up, 
from daycare or school, I just, I, now I know I send a photograph, but they didn't want to, you know, like the fact that they have this hyphenated name gives them sort of a familial bond. I don't know what they're going to do because each of them already has 36 letters in their name. And, but here's the kicker. So, oh, and like, here's the kicker. So we get divorced and we're in this divorce process. And um, I have now given my ex-husband an Anglo name, right? Because his name is Patterson hyphen TA because it doesn't fit anywhere beyond that. And I had to specifically request that he go back to his maiden name. And I don't know why he wasn't like, sure, I'll go back to being Kansky. I, I, I have no idea like what benefit. I think he was just trying to bug me for the reason. I was like, I want my damn name back. Now, you know, and then of course I had to really fight to get that all done before I got my license, right? Because I needed the divorce to be final to like change my name back officially and get my new license. Awesome. But I'm glad that I did. Um, but I'm also glad that I share a name with my children. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you so much. I'm going to say thanks. And uh, this was amazing. And yeah, it was great to connect. I am really glad it worked out. Thanks so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at column underscore pod. Special thanks to Nora Grace and Josiah for our theme song, Sam Schindler for editing and production, Nick Peterson for additional music, and you for listening. Have a great day.